everybody. Welcome back to Keith and Mike Watch Deep Space Nine. Uh, hopefully you tuned into our pilot. That was, of course, uh, the Deep Space Nine pilot emissary parts one and two. Today, uh, Mike, we're talking about the second episode of Deep Space Nine entitled Past Prologue. We and are. I know it's kind of confusing about what is the second episode of Deep Space Nine because there's a there's a lot of various things on the internet telling you different answers. We're going to explain why we chose this a little bit later. But Mike, are you excited to continue our Deep Space Nine journey? I am excited. In fact, I I had to do the thing that is always uh, I think a good a, a good benchmark for a show you're enjoying is I had to make myself not watch too far ahead because I want to be somewhat fresh when we have these conversations. And as you know, Keith preps a little more than than Mike does, and so I these this conversation will be very much fresh off my brain. I haven't really percolated as much, probably. I won't be as coherent as my dear colleague, but I'm psyched. Some some I have some potentially really uh, I don't want to say controversial, but like some huge themes we have to discuss. So you're, so I'm ready to jump in. Fire. No, and I'm very excited to talk about all of it. Um, you know, it's it's early in the series, and so we are still establishing our characters and our identity and our tone, uh, and it's super fun. But uh, you know what else is super fun? Uh, we are actually starting a Patreon for yes. series here uh, to help us fund all of this nonsense around this. Mike, why don't you tell them about it? Well, Keith and I have been tossing this around for, for quite a while. Uh, asking for support is never fun. Obviously, this is this can't be a full-time job for us. We both have jobs, but who knows? But we need to offset some of the time we spend on it and and also <laughs> money that we spend. Uh, so <laughs> if you can support, we hope that you do. The show will always be free on YouTube. So, you know, we're just trying to give ourselves a, a more cohesive revenue, a, a new cohesive way for you to support the show and the channel without a ton of links, which we used to do on our old show. So you can also support us by l liking the YouTube video and subscribing to the channel. But right now, we're going to keep the tiers of support pretty basic. We have some ideas for really lofty goals for like the big fish, Keith, as they say, as things go on. But right now, we're just offering content. We're going to offer uh, you the ability to watch the show along with me on a week-to-week -week basis uh, to see my reactions in real time. Maybe Keith will pop on here and there. Who knows? Anything's possible. Uh, he's He tends to not want to have to do extra stuff, so probably not. I do so much extra stuff, but we are going to do some extra shows for you. Uh, we haven't determined exactly what we're going to do, but we might do uh, some next-gen version of this just for the Patreons. Excited to begin. And if in any way you are unable, uh, in a financial place where you cannot help us, uh, do not feel weird about it. You're still invited to the show. You're still going to uh, hear what we have to say. And, of course, uh, this goes for, you know, anybody who is uh, interested in helping us out. We appreciate your support, and uh, we thank you. Yes, indeed. So without further ado, let's start talking about Deep Space Nine Season 1, Episode 2, Past Prologue, which aired on Sunday, January 10th, 1993. Our top song continued to be the Whitney Houston classic, I Will Always Love You. I can hear it in the distance, Mike. Mm -hmm. We love 
Thank you. Wow, it, it, it was less distant than I was hoping. And the top movie <laughs> was, Mike, are you ready? A Few Good Men. You can't handle the truth. It was a code red. That's right. And the New York Times headline was, U.S. says Baghdad removed missiles. Man, I know. We, it's, it's funny because 10 years later, we were still doing this. But this was back in 1993 after the first uh, Iraq war. All right, so this episode in Stepping into Deep Space Nine-verse was directed by veteran director Weinrich Colby, mm -hmm. who directed 16 episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, 13 episodes of Deep Space Nine, and 18 episodes of Star Trek Voyager, and just as a little cherry on top, one episode of Enterprise. So, uh, dude knew Star Trek. Mm -hmm. So, that's exciting. And this episode was written by Catherine Powers, who knew Star Trek a little bit, uh, perhaps writing maybe the most offensive episode of Star Trek The Next Generation in its entire canon, entitled Code of Honor. Uh, although I think it was Vance on the, on the other show pointed out that that episode didn't actually start out as uh, horribly offensively racist as it uh, ended up being because they didn't have the budget to do alien effects. All right, so, you know, as usual, what we do here is we're gonna, I'm gonna give you just three little pieces of trivia about this episode before we talk about it. There's tons of other trivia out there. Check out Memory Alpha, check out IMDb, but here's just a couple things that I found interesting, and maybe you will too, Mike. And uh, so we're gonna see um, Garrick's shop. We're gonna meet Garrick for the first time. Very exciting. And we're gonna, we're gonna meet his, yeah, 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 we're going to talk about it. Don't you worry. Uh, and we're going to see some of his tailoring in his shop this episode. And several of the uh, clothes hanging in his shop were actually costumes. You need a suit. A suit. They were leftover costumes from the next generation. Uh, so they, huh. just, they just pulled some stuff from the costume shop, which makes perfect sense. All right. So I mentioned before that uh, it's it's a little confusing about what is episode two of Deep Space Nine because these were broadcast out of order. The next two episodes were filmed and broadcast in a different order than they intended. We were supposed to have a man alone. Wait, are you saying the they just, they screwed up? They, well, they made a decision later in the process to broadcast this one before a man alone i think mainly to have some of the next generation crossovers with lursa and bator to try to continue to get people in there but that was never the intent um and so just for our purposes here we are discussing these in the order that they were broadcast even though if you go and watch on the netflix uh they fix it so this is actually the third episode in your Netflix queue, but the mm. second episode that was broadcast. So it's a little bit confusing. And if that's not confusing enough, if you go to IMDb, this is season one, episode two. But if you go to Netflix or Paramount, this is season one, episode three, because they counted the two part of the premiere as episodes one and two. So it's super confusing. Uh, it took me about half an hour to sort out uh, what the heck episode I know. should our, be. Our text exchange was uh, unique. <laughs> <laughs> it, there's a little bit of who's on first. What, yeah. episode two is what? And who, what, what? But uh you know, that's that's what happens sometimes. And it happened in the original series, too, where the producers decided to broadcast uh, out of order of how they filmed it. 
Um, luckily, starting with season two, it's all tight and, and it becomes more serialized and it's really straightforward, which is which. Uh, all right, so the last piece of trivia here on past prologue is you'll notice if you are, especially if you're Mike and you haven't seen any of this before, you'll notice, hey, uh, Kira's hair changed a lot between the pilot and this episode. Um, which, you know, happens a lot. There's lots of redesigns that happen after a pilot because usually those are filmed well before the second episode of the series before it gets picked up. Uh, but this was actually Nana Visitor's idea, the actress who plays Kira, uh, who pointed out, and I think correctly, I think already understanding her character pretty well, saying that Major Kira would never have hair like that because she would never take the time every day it would take to get that hair in order. So she chose a much shorter haircut, which would be a lot less effort from the character of Kira's part, mm -hmm. which uh, makes a great deal of sense. And I think it's it's just one of those little details that adds to the reality of the world. Um, and I, I think it was really good. So the last thing I want to do before we hop into our viewing room and discuss the episode is talk about some of the guest stars because we had some very important guest stars here on this episode, um, starting with Jeffrey Nordling, who played Tanalos. And uh, let's just get into it. Andrew Robinson shows up for his first, uh, but not last, uh, term as Elam Garrick, the simple tailor Elam Garrick. Um, so he's not Andrew a recurring Rob character. No, he is. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah, he he will be a recurring character throughout the show, but not a, like a main. What I meant is a main cast member. Never becomes a main cast cast okay. member, although um, certainly a very uh, very important and critical recurring character. And Andrew Robinson at this point was already an established actor uh, who had done a whole bunch of things, including the first. He was the bad guy in the first Dirty Harry movie. Did you know that? Oh, that makes my day, Keith. Yeah. Well. Ooh, well played. Well played. And of course, we have Gwyneth Walsh and Barbara March as Lursa and Vator, uh, who have crossed over from the next generation. Mike probably doesn't know anything about them. I do, because I saw their toys, Keith. We discussed them and the boob window. That's true. That's true. That's In fact, good. I said it out loud to nobody. Like, theoretically, <laughs> I said it to the patrons, but mm -hmm. patrons, patrons, uh, but then I realized I was sitting in my room alone going, boob window! <laughs> and it was... <laughs> <laughs> a full circle moment for me. <laughs> yes, indeed. You know, it's pretty much what you've been saying every time you've been alone since you were about 12. Yeah, so, that's uh, about right. <laughs> we also see Susan Bay as Rollman and frequent Star Trek guest actor Von Armstrong as Danar. So uh, lots of important guest actors. So I think it's time. Mike, what do you say we hop into the screening room and uh, talk our way through this episode. Shall we head over? Let's do it. There we oh, are. Hey, wow, we got there so fast. Yes, well. Just like that. All right, so uh, here in our teaser, we meet our most important new guest actor, and that, of course, is Garrick. So now I have to point out here for the first few screenshots, Mike, did somebody forget to turn off the subtitles, Mike, uh, when you were I, taking the screenshots, Mike? No, I didn't. I didn't forget, Keith, as much as I couldn't figure out how to do it, uh, <laughs> and I was just wanted to watch the episode, but I, I figured it out eventually, as you'll see. Okay, well, fair enough. So a uh, a friendly Cardassian introduces himself to Bashir at lunch. It's a simple tailor named Garrick, but Bashir is nervous because he thinks Garrick is a spy. 
and Garrick still hits on him. So here we are. Uh, so what was your first impressions of Garrick here? So it, it, it was almost, I was almost afraid to leave the subtitles on the screen, Keith, for fear that he would eat them along with the scenery. <laughs> because you, uh, for those of you who are new to uh, enjoying content with Keith and I, we love and or despise people who just come and just chew up the scenery. Now in a, in a Trek, in a sci-fi universe, it actually kind of fits a little better. Uh, I thought he was... I loved everything he was doing. I couldn't get enough of it. And then it got oddly like flirty. Uh, and I was curious because they do a great job uh, obfuscating what his intentions are particularly. Mm -hmm. uh, but regardless, I, I was, I think I said right on my stream too, I was like, I'm in. I'm totally sold on this Garrett character. Yeah, it's it's super fun. And we'll we'll talk more about their relationship um, and how that was being played a little bit later in the series, but that was there. There was definitely some um, from notes from some nervous producers after this first couple of episodes, uh, which sadly got listened to. Uh, anyway, we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, though it does. There's also some seeds planted very early on in this episode that I think I will, you know, that I will be on the bone for me to pick, and it's. I mean, we talked a little bit about, I believe, in the pilot. In the pilot, Bashir here is very—he's very smart. Clearly, very, very technically savvy, but really has zero social or life intelligence or like emotional acumen. Or you know what I mean? Like, right? He, he's kind of a dumb dumb in some ways. He's simple. Well, a little and, bit. And, well, and I—I I think that yes. I mean, certainly. Bashir's character definitely gets brighter throughout the uh, <laughs> as the series goes, but I, I think what we're supposed to learn about Bashir at this point is just how young he is. Yeah, and that he's he's pretty naive and he's pretty young and he's very excited. Um, but this is his first job out of med school. Um, I don't know how old he's supposed to be canonically, but I, I would imagine he's probably like twenty five or so. Um, and so I think he's just a little bit naive. He's never been in deep space, never met a Cardassian, and certainly never met a Garrick, because Garrick is a very special and, and specific thing. So after this uh, meeting with Garrick, Bashir goes to Ops and tells everybody he met the spy. Um, and so we learn here that uh, he thinks that Garrick being the only Cardassian who did not leave the station after the occupation, that he must be a spy. Meanwhile, Kira has a new haircut, and Bashir is super paranoid, but also super into it. And then, all of a sudden, a Bajoran scout ship being chased by an attacking Cardassian ship shows up. The Bajoran asks for help as the Cardassians blow up the ship. And uh, just in time, in the nick of time, as you you know find frequently in Star Trek, they beam the pilot on board. It's some dude named Tanalos. And uh, guess what? He totally knows Kira. And that's our teaser. So what what did what did you think about uh, a little end of our teaser here, Mike? Well, I I made the comment that you know I think it's we talked about confidence, and I believe I used the term balls last week about how they just kind of were with their plotting and with their uh, their themes. And I thought it was another ballsy move here to 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 start their first real serialized episode in a 
by using a kind of a Trekkian trope, maybe it's just a trope in German, by, oh, ships in distress, uh, help me, help me, help me, beam them on just in the nick of time. Uh, but that's just a trope to introduce the premise, right? Like how they're going to, how, how, how they deal with it is what's more important. And what I think is cool, what I thought was cool at this juncture is that, you know, you mentioned it, you, it bothered you a little more than me, but I did notice it in the pilot. The Kira character was a little uh, on 11 all the time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, what a great opportunity now. Maybe this week we'll get to know her a little bit more and what's making her tick and maybe why she's a little wound a little tight. So uh, I'm, I was looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Yeah. And so uh, we find out that Kira and Tanalos fought together in the underground. And he has asked for asylum. And naturally, the Cardassians are pissed. They think that Tanalos is a criminal and want to arrest him. And uh, so well, he is a criminal. Little, well, he, well, here we find out that uh, Los is a member of the Konma, a radical Bajoran group who fought using terrorist tactics in the war, uh, which I think is uh, interesting. And of course, we, you know, we begin to wonder, well, what was Kira's relationship in this as they both fought in the underground? Because, and I, and I think this is a major theme of the whole series, is um, when you had an occupying force and you had the Bajorans trying to fight their way out of it, and, uh, you know, what tactics when you are fighting off an occupying force are appropriate or not appropriate? Where do you draw the line? And I think it's, it's murky. And I think that's uh, an interesting thing that the show talks about a lot. So uh, Bashir saves Tantalos' life and shows off his scars from the war in a major HIPAA violation. He tells Cisco <laughs> that he continued fighting even after the occupation ended, but he's tired of it now. So, uh, so that's, Tanis Los's story saying, yeah, I kept fighting after, but we're done. Go, go back two screenshots or one. Yes. I was like, this is the uh this is the Deep Space Nine version of the the Jurassic Park scene with uh with uh <laughs> Goldblum with his shirt yeah. whipped out and he's just kind of sitting all casual. Oh, you call that a knife. Yeah, no, it's uh... a <laughs> Well, it, there's a long tradition of showing off. I mean, go back to Jaws. I think the yeah. Jaws is the best, like, who's got a bigger scar. Uh, all right, so. Also here, I was thinking maybe they had, it seemed like they might have had some sort of, like, past romantic relationship. Or maybe, I, I, then I started to think, <laughs> maybe just when you shoot so many scenes with people talking so close to one another, there's just an implied intimacy that really isn't supposed to be in the subtext. It's hard to tell. You mean kind of like us and the pilot when we were both too big on the screen? <laughs> And like overlapping. <laughs> yes, people. The the will they won't they is really going to be a running. Uh... It's, it's real. Yeah. No. Exactly. Here, I I can't I can't reach. All right. Anyway, don't uh, break so, the immersion. So while this happens, uh, so after Cisco uh, and and Los talk, Kira complains to a Starfleet admirable, admirable, admiral about Cisco's treating Los like a criminal. What a snitch, man. Yeah, not cool. Not cool, Kira. Uh, next up, O'Brien tells Cisco that if he, he turns over Los to the Cardassians, bad shit will go down because O'Brien had fought the Cardassians in the Cardassian War before. And so he is basically saying, like, if you get captured by the Cardassians, they're going to torture you and do horrible things to you. Uh, so... After we have that scene, the admiral reaches out to Cisco and rats out Kira, who ratted yeah. out Cisco. 
That was uh, actually one of my favorite parts of the episode, actually, because I was like, I love that the the admiral was like, no, you can't have that insubordination. I'm going right to Cisco, baby. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, an interesting layer to their relationship early. Uh, and of course, Kira does not want to hand over her old war buddy to the Cardassians. And Gul Dinar, the Cardassian, is pissed. But Cisco decides to give him temporary asylum. And uh, that is the end of Act One. So, a couple of look, clarify a couple things for me here. Yeah, I get what I like. First of all, talk about balls, and I think this probably is this is bigger than than Deep Space Nine in the Trek universe. But I love that you know, in a lot of uh, science fiction, and in a lot of especially things that you know kids watch, even though this isn't aimed towards kids, but regardless, the people like to make it very clear who the good guys are and who the bad guys are, right? Yeah. But I like yep. that in this universe, those lines aren't so clear, much like here, much like in the real universe, right? The, especially when we're getting into geopolitical relationships, you know, a, a, there's, a, there's a fine line between a freedom fighter and a terrorist. And yeah. they use those terms explicitly here. And I think that's really cool. And also, right away, you know, and even in establishing a a cast in a new show, we're asking big questions of this cast. Where do loyalties lie? Like in this second episode, right? We're asking where Kira's loyalties lie, and that's yeah. a huge question to ask in, in such an early episode of a season. I think. No, I, I think you're. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. I, didn't have, I had a question, an yes. actual question that I was asking you. Okay. But, yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. The Cardassians generally are seen as sort of antagonistic figures in the galaxy, right? Or a uh, universe. Yeah, no, the, no, they are definitely uh, antagonistic. Yeah, I mean, their their occupation and was brutal. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're aggressive and they're militaristic. And, you know, we sort of, as we learn more about their governmental system, um, it's, it's, it's sort of like a, it's a military occupation sort of a feel. Um, and it's, it's not a, it's it's not a democracy. I'll put it that way. Um, and I and I like that Cisco doesn't just straight up be like, yeah, no, you can't have him. He's just said, you know what? I'm gonna say I'm gonna hold on to him for now. Then we're gonna offload him, and you do whatever the hell you want at that point. Well, and that's and that's part of what Star Trek is about. The Federation, you know, it, his job is a diplomat as much as anything else. And how do you negotiate these things? And um, I, what you said about the uh, the gray areas on right and wrong and the complexities of all of that is something that's very important to Star Trek and very important um, to explore those things. And Deep Space Nine of all of the series spends much more time in the gray than a lot of the other Star Trek series. So uh, well spotted, sir. So as we continue... Kira and Los chat in this temporary quarters. He doesn't like her working for the Federation and the Federation serving as the UN. So he's basically like, you sold out. He says the phrase Bajor for Bajorans. So that's ominous. Uh, he also says he quit the Con Ma. So, uh, you know, we'll see about that. Then we arrive on the... Pro- they continue there. So many beautiful screenshots, Mike. So we arrive on the promenade, and holy crap, it's Lurza and Baytor. They're being all Klingon-y and don't want to give up their weapons, but Odo is the tougher sheriff. Uh, yeah, so 
what did you think about no right your only contacts for Lursa and Betor were the toys here the toys and just you know same thing like I understand much like I was asking about the Cardassians I know that the Klingons have a a reputation and that these two clearly weren't uh of the softer side characters uh, they, they clearly had some business they weren't just here to for for some grog at over at uh quarks there's some grog at quarks well and so cisco gives us a little bit of backstory from the next generation essentially that lursa and beto are the bad guys looking to rebuild their armies now if you're if you're watching this show, chances are you, you've you seen uh, the whole Next Generation arc. Um, they were big factors in a Klingon civil war, trying to cause all sorts of bad stuff. But guess what? Picard and Worf uh, solved it. And uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see more of Lursa and Betor, but not necessarily on Deep Space Nine. Uh, but thank you, Cisco, for giving us some uh, important backstory for Mike. Kind of just only for Mike, because everyone else probably knows that already. Yeah, but it gives a scene, like, I like the trust. Actually, it's great foreshadowing, knowing what happens next week, but, like, the trust already that Cisco has in Odo, which is cool, and just, I I didn't really catch it in the pilot, but I didn't I didn't realize how much of a badass Odo is, so that's that was cool yeah. to know well, him a little bit. And also in that scene, I wrote that Odo wants to Ashcroft them. But Cisco says no. So, you know, Odo being sort of the law and order, but not necessarily super civil li civil liberties kind of a sheriff. And so you have Cisco there to rein him in, um, which I think is an uh, you know another interesting character dynamic here because we have you know more conflict between our lead characters here than we ever got in Next Generation because they're not all Federation, and they have mm -hmm. different codes of ethics and and I think each of these characters have their own code of ethic that they stick to, but it's, they're not always Federation. And I think that that is very interesting. Yeah. I wrote down, and I don't know if it's, it's probably a little early to bring this up, but it's, it, I'll, I'll drop it here and we can talk about it when it really becomes clear. You know, often the praise I've heard heaped upon, now this is a deep cut Keith, but mm. or a, a long walk around the block uh, competency porn for the West Wing and how it's sort of a right. fantasy about sure. how really competent people would go about their job when we find out that that's not always the case in the political arena. This, in some ways, thus far in the in the three, four episodes I've watched, is feeling a little bit like ethics porn, right? Yes. Where people, people, like you said, having really strong ethical beliefs and then exploring whether those rigid ethics should be more flexible, perhaps need to change, need to be addressed, and how they interact when they are in conflict with one another. So I, I really kind of yeah. a unique idea. Maybe that's a Trek kind of idea. No, it, it's it's a huge, no, I, it's I just, before you said that, that's what was in my head, sort of ethics and integrity porn, and uh, including the ethics and integrity to continue to examine your ethics and integrity. And that is, uh, yeah, that's what's so, for me, that's what I, that's why I'm, what I'm here for. That's what Trek is about to me. Uh, so, anyway, we will continue. Uh, so at Quarks here, Lursa and Beto are drinking some beers. Bashir runs back into Garrick, and they discuss discuss fashion, particularly <laughs> Lursa and Beto's fashion. They take a note of them sneaking off to have a secret meeting with Tanalos, and it looks like there's something shifty going on with Tanalos because uh, they're selling something to him. But don't worry, 
Odo was watching shapeshifted as a rat. So that scene, first of all, I thought it was shot really cool. The way they were kind of put hiding the camera behind certain items to really give us the feeling that we're like following them or sneaking around following them. And of course, I mistakenly saw the like rat running through as like a a, a, a very um, heavy handed symbolism because mm -hmm. uh, clearly what's his bucket? Uh, Tyler. He's being a rat. He's being a rat. Uh, he's not, he's, you know, he's, he's dealing with these nasties. And right. then when I saw Odo shapeshift, you know, to me, I for, had forgotten he was a shapeshifter. So I sort of freaked <laughs> out a little bit because I was like, oh yeah, that's so cool. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, it's, and you know, the, the, the special effects not so bad either, to be honest. You know, for 1993, it's amazing. I mean, it's, I don't it, know that it's amazing. No, but, for, for 1993 television, for syndicated television in 1993, yeah, sure. It, I, I I just mean currently, it, it held up okay. Yeah, I mean, they for the most part did what they could do well, and and didn't sort of push beyond what they could do well, which we saw sometimes. Yeah, um, I mean, in some of the pew pews later, I think it's a little, maybe not as good, but we'll we'll get there. Look, it's 1993. Come on. Oh, all right, I, I can't. I can't just be. It can't be a love fest for <laughs> all these seasons, that Keith. I gotta. I gotta call it when I see it. I got your back, Deep Space Nine fans. All right. So, <laughs> in Act Three, Kira has been lobbying the Bajoran government to get Los and some of his other terrorists permanent asylum. Cisco finally calls her out for going over his head. Weirdest uh, shot of the episode, right here. That's, There's a whole scene where she's just like he's literally twelve inches above her they away. think yeah he's like two feet away but like right up yeah well yeah, he's so high it's such a weird shot but i was like maybe it's like a something about how's it like on that high high horse up there I don't know. you know we learned in the pilot that it's part of cardassian architecture mm -hmm. because they're they wanted the person in charge to be above everyone else like the, the, the sort of the cardassians are very much into the power dynamic symbolism Oh, and yeah, so, they did say that. Yeah, so it's actually part of the canon. So, yeah, there you go. So, uh, Odo and Cisco are suspicious, and they begin to be suspicious of Kira for possible connections to the Kanma. And uh, Lursa and Beethor show up at Garrick's shop. They try to sell him, Tanalos, assuming Garrick still works for the Cardassian government, and they haggle. So what did you think about that? So at first I was like, okay, yeah, he's a bad guy. But then I'm like, I I, I did see the note here, even before the next scene, where I was like, okay, clearly he's there to set up a back channel, some sort of a back channel communication. Maybe he's like a, to be honest, it could have gone a lot of ways. I, I wasn't quite, it wasn't quite clear as to what his real motivations were, but he's used clearly- to that. He's clearly more than, uh, in fact, I think I said Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy. Yes. Could go a lot of ways. Uh, you, you realize that is the title of one of the episodes coming up. Yeah, I think it's a title of a lot of things. I think it's a yeah, night. Well, like a... well, yeah, I mean, it's obviously based on a book. Anyway, yeah. uh, so, oh, right. No, it's it's Voyager. There's an episode called Tinker Tenor Sailor Spy. Mm. Uh, where Bob Picardo gets to sing. Anyway, um, <laughs> wow, there's so much Star Trek. Uh, so 
Anyway, the next scene, Kira shows up at Tanelos's quarters and she got him amnesty. But he calls her a politician. She doesn't like it because, oops, he's still in the Kanma and has been pretending. And he's pissed at Kira for helping the Federation and wants her to help. And he asks her for a ship. Yeah, look, I, I don't need a lot. You know what I mean? I just need you to steal me a ship. Yeah, yeah, no biggie. And uh, Have I been lying a, this whole time? Yes. Yes, I have been lying. Uh, just a little. Just a little. Because he has a plan to do something suspicious. And he's betting that Kira will not tell Cisco. Dun, dun, dun. Well, he's exploiting the crap out of her, right? He's, he's explaining all of their past history. And he knows that he can um, basically guilt trip her. and oh, Or question so. her ideals hard enough that he can get her to do his bidding. So... I think that's an important fact that I, I was hoping, I was rooting for her to recognize is that this guy doesn't, he was he's not a partner if he's trying to tell you, if he's discounting how you're trying to help, right? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, all right, so act four, Garrick meets up with Bashir again, and he has news. He tells Bashir that two more terrorists have arrived on the station, and he wants to conspire with Bashir to figure out why. He tells Bashir to come to his shop at a very specific time. And Bashir is very slow on the uptake. Yeah, I was a little incredulous about that. but So, uh, anyway, we come across Kira secretly searching the Bajoran intelligence net. And Cisco comes to ask Kira if she trusts the new terrorists, and she lies. Hmm... Mm. So Bashir is still dim, and Cisco tells him to follow through with Garrick's plan. Because you know, one scene of the suit hitting him over the head with the suit was it was a little much. Then they needed to go a second. They needed to double down on being like, "Yo, man, it wasn't." He basically why even use the code at that point? Just be like, "Look, I need you to just come and spy at two thirty. Just come. I'm going to hide you in the closet. It's going to be very it quick." It, it, you certainly could have done that. But, you know, Garrick likes his theatrics. But what was really strange for me was just how dim Bashir is. Like, yeah, what? Like, yeah, dude, clearly. Is that wink, wink, <laughs> wink? He's like, what? You want me to buy clothes? Yeah, I think for me, Bashir, Bashir wear, wears the the thorns for that we put on Kira last week of just being like, yeah, it was, it's a very broad characteristic it's not really a honed thing but it's what's on the screen on the page right so yeah well you know it, it develops it develops but yes it is it is not like you know again i can't give mike any spoilers he's dim and horny that's what we've learned so far <laughs> dim and horny <laughs> dim and horny that's all we know about bashir so, so he's far. 12 there you go he's 12 well yeah. i i think that's sort of where we're headed yeah uh, all right, so the next scene, Kira goes to Odo for advice. She's trapped between two masters. She reveals that she's done some tough stuff back in the war, and now she's confused about who to trust and what to do. She's moved on from those tactics, but they haven't. Uh, Odo gives some good advice, and she decides to tell Cisco. Um, so I think this was a very important scene. I for think a couple the best scene in the episode. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, and we're we're establishing the relationship that Odo and Kira have, and and have had. They they have some history, whereas mm -hmm. our you know our Starfleet folks have just shown up, 
Um, but Kira and Odo and Quark, they've been here for a while. And so they actually know each other much better. So talk, talk more about how you felt about that scene. Yeah, I just, like you said, you know, really excellent writing in that. How in the shortest amount of time can we express the most amount of history? And I thought this scene yep. did it. You know, it showed a trust because she's actually in some deep water here, right? Like oh, yeah. what's being asked of her is is basically pure espionage. And in fact, I think I was saying this this whole episode is is very much a genre ep- espionage genre es- episode. Mm-hmm. And yep. you know, the stakes are huge for her on both sides. She sell out one of her best friends, and basically by doing so, putting him to death or torture. Right. Right. Or uh, going along with like basically a terrorist type plot. We don't know. She no. doesn't know what he's going to do with that ship, but it ain't going to be. Uh, yeah. She, she a, knows a diplomacy mission. Yeah. So yeah. she's and she's revealing that here without fear that he's going to out her. So, yeah, that's a lot of trust. And yeah. where the scene ends, which I think is even cooler and I think so awesome and such a great touch. They could have added a little bit here where she goes, she just goes to Cisco, right? Right. But they don't do that. They have, before she, she's, he's like, you know what you have to do. And then he calls Cisco for her and he says, she wants to see you. So he, he can see in her that she's made the decision, even though she doesn't verbalize it. And that's huge. I thought really interesting, really interesting directorial choice writing. It's great writing. And it's also the, you can see the caliber of actors you have here. Um, with uh, Rene Aubergenois uh, and uh, Nana Visitor, who are just beginning to flex what they have. But I think in terms of the, the casting of the caliber of actor on Deep Space Nine is incredibly high. They did such a good job with the casting of this show um, and you know, able to do so much of this work non-verbally. So uh, we continue here. And uh, meanwhile... Dum Dum Bashir shows up at Garrick's office uh, to intentionally overhear the deal selling Tantalos to the Cardassians, but not before they sell the terrorists some technobabble uranium for a bomb. So uh, the plot thickens. Somehow Dum Dum Bashir, he shows up late. Like, he's a terrible spy. Which, which... <laughs> Well, we can get into it later, but like, why does Garrick pick him as the back channel? Like, why not pick someone with some sense? Is it because he's cute? It's probably because he's cute. That's a that's a all a good question. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get into more of that later. So, Act Five begins after Kira having said what's happening, and they decide to set a trap and let Los go through with the transaction and catch them in the act. Kira wants to go along as a double agent. So, Tanalos and Kira arrive at the meetup area, and uh, the Klingons, so we have a lot of scenes of them uh, going and getting there, so you see the security footage of them going onto the ship, which I think is cool. I thought was cool, yeah. Otto was able to watch. So, uh, Tanalos and Kira arrive at the meetup area, the Klingons are there, and they arrive with the uranium, they take the gold-pressed latinum and beam out. Meanwhile, Cisco and O'Brien head to intercept Kira and Talalos, but they're not the only ones because the Cardassians are headed there too. So here we go. They so that's a cool shot of the of the Klingon ship there. 
so so we have three parties meeting up here. Well, really four, right? Yeah, because the have, Cardassians are there. The well. Cardassians, the Klingons. So the Cardassians trying to stop the attack. We have the Klingons there to sell the uranium and uranium. It's not actually uranium, but whatever. It's a metaphor. And, and to sell Los back to the Cardassians, you have Kira there and you have Cisco and O'Brien there to stop the whole thing. So uh, I actually so did here, feel that like it, they muddied it a little. It got a little too heavy in that department. Like I, I was a little confused with all the machinations, especially since like the Cisco, they were cloaked and then the Cardassians were going to be cloaked and then they couldn't get them. So somebody else had to get them. Like the way it all plays out coming up is a little confusing but the basics are all there there's a lot there's a lot going on yeah um a lot of moving parts so let's try to walk through this so kira tries so uh kira tries to stop him and he star trek palm punches her you know on, is he wearing sweatpants well you got to be comfortable i mean you know, i didn't know that i took this shot but that's a booty shot right there booty booty like, booty terrorism does not have to be uncomfortable <laughs> i mean come on and uh so now in star trek you're gonna see this they have silly star trek fighting yes they including do including lots of palm punches that's one star trek and thing the other tosses. Thing is, like, is is the double fisted hit like that's that. called a double oh. axe handle if we're going to use professional wrestling language double axe handle that's, into a hip toss that's right and they're all silly and ridiculous uh but anyway he overtakes and he's gonna blow up the moon if and he she did, they'd make them shorter keith they've got to know it's kind of terrible but no it's very extended multiple looks Lots of that, and then at the end of the day, they just pull out like a, like a phaser beam, and then they yeah, the all down. Beam, yeah, well, that's you know that's the gun, right? So uh, basically, we find out that his plan is actually to blow up Deep Space Nine, uh, because Deep Space Nine is sort of the symbol of the of the collaboration with the Federation and blah blah blah. Um, and so he threatens to throw up a moon if he doesn't go back to Deep Space Nine, uh, so on and so forth. And this is where uh, Cisco is forced to ask the Cardassians for help, but they're too far away, mm. so they're gonna have to shoot Kira and Tana Los. But uh oh, not before Keith. Let's not give. But hold on, don't yeah. sell, don't short sell it. Not only does he like can't help, but let me take this moment while your time is ticking down to uh, to thwart this plan to just throw you a hefty told you so. Oh yeah, no. Always, always with the "I told you so." Yeah. It's very important. Uh, you, you, I, I will take our precious time to say "I told you so" whenever I have the That's opportunity. True. Very fair. So uh, we find out now. Uh oh, Tana doesn't want to blow up Deep Space Nine. In fact, he wants to blow up the wormhole, the wormhole, so that nobody cares about Bajor and will leave them alone. Uh so I, I get the idea with that, but. That's where their prophets live. So I don't know why he would, why that would be his move. But, you know, that's what happens. Burn it so, all down, baby. You know, at the end of the day, if you're down. at the end of your terrorist rope, burn it all down. So, so was that a suicide mission? So, that was a question I had. Was that going to be kamikaze style to blow it up? I think so. I think yeah. so, yeah. Uh, so Kira sends them into the wormhole as she fights Tana. They get out of the wormhole and into the Gamma Quadrant. And he shoots off the bomb. But guess what? It's too late. He overshot and missed. So then Tana decides to take Kira hostage. He didn't miss. No, because he he wanted he missed to set because off, she um, banked hard left, man. Well, 
but it was also out of they got out of the wormhole. I guess this is where it gets a little bit confusing, right? I because thought that the, she saved the day by <laughs> this was my kind of nit to pick too. I was like, all of this stuff, right? And then literally what thwarts the plan is that she goes, ah, <laughs> and turns left. Well, yeah. Did she take a left turn out of the wormhole? It doesn't work that way. I, I think whatever she did, it's just like sh it shook him just enough. Shook him just enough. Well, I, maybe it just delayed it so he wasn't able to oh, set off the bomb until they were out of the wormhole. Because they were I just about have to, to choose that it was her agency. All right, all right. Here's here is here's how I'm going to fix it. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna fix the the, okay. the the plot hole here. So he decided it wasn't going to be a suicide mission. What he wanted to do was set off the bomb right as they were leaving the wormhole. It'll blow up, and then they're on the other I side. Think that's what I think they actually said. He said we have to set it off at the mouth of the wormhole. Right, and and if so is that the exit there? And so by hitting him, he was was not able to set it off at the mouth. It was past the mouth, and then uh, blew up harmlessly in the gamma quadrant. Uh, but I have I, I have a wormhole in the plot for our segment next. Mm, okay. Remind me about that particular moment. Uh, so they get out of the wormhole and then they're they're in the gamma quadrant. Shoots off the bombs. Too late. They missed. Tana tries to take Kira hostage, uh, and Cisco offers to hand him to the Cardassians if he doesn't surrender, which he does surrender because you know you don't want to be. Uh, stuck with the Cardassians. So they go back to Deep Space Nine. Kira chose to do the right thing and feels bad, but has earned Cisco's respect in the process. And that is Deep Space Nine Season 1, Episode 2, Past Prologue. All right, now it is time for our After Show Show, which we have now named... It now has a name, Mike. Yes, folks, we are here for the Alamoremis. Mike doesn't even know what that means yet. Do not. Do not. Oh, boy. Get ready to lock in because uh, we're going to have fun with that. But you got so, up there, buddy. That's I love when I get a, a Keith Descant. Yeah, well, you know, that's uh, if you're going to do it. something, do it still. Do it unnecessarily high. That's that's what I always say. Well, you know, so, Keith, for our one hundred dollar plus subscribers on Patreon, no, you're gonna no. have to scream their names like that. Yeah, no, that's not that's not gonna happen. But you know what is gonna happen? We're gonna start our after show, the Alamoremis, with the segment. Hey, did uh, either of us find any wormholes in the plot? And I'll go first because I because uh, there's one here. Right. Okay. So we yep. discussed that Tantalos's plan was to set off the bomb in the mouth of the wormhole, leave and escape and survive. However, he did it on the Gamma Quadrant side. So his plan was to blow up the wormhole, but he would have, he and Kira would have been trapped in the Gamma Quadrant a hundred years away. So. His plan was to survive, but then be dropped on the, in an, another quadrant of space. Either that was either unclear, and they turned around, or uh, you know, that's a that's a wormhole in the plot. Yeah, my wormhole in the plot was just that Garrick seems too smart to pick 
And also, like, why does he need to be? I guess this is just more questions than plot than wormholes. Because mm-hmm. why doesn't he just like tell Cisco what's up? Like, why does he need a back channel emissary? Like, why why is he helping that? It's very unclear to me. Well, I think Garrick is Garrick's relationship with the Cardassian government is the murky part of this. Does he have rela- relationship? Does he not? Is he working as a civilian? Is he working as a spy? Is he is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? We don't know yet. So I think that by not being direct about anything, he's holding on to the ambiguity. He's 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 giving suspension of disbelief uh, that he's still just a plain simple tailor. Uh, All right. We forget to ask you: Do you have any wormholes in the plot that bothered you, or that mm. you want us to uh, to reconsider? Go ahead and pop them in the YouTube comments. We'll yeah. check it out. Okay. Next up, Mike and Keith's favorite moments. Mike, what was your favorite moment of this episode? Uh, we talked about it earlier. My favorite moment of this episode was the scene with Kira and Odo, and specifically the moment where Odo calls Cisco, informing him that Kira wants to meet with him because he's already that sure that Kira's gonna make the right decision, which I thought was just so cool and and did such he- heavy lifting without really m- needing to say much. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. I think that's probably the best uh, moment of the episode, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick a different one just because of its importance to the series, and that is, of course, the introduction of Elam Garrick and the beginning of the amazing Andrew Robinson performance of Garrick, which came in fully formed. And, you mm. know, and, and I think that's what I'd like his to say. Most of the, his his face, his characterization, uh, and, and you're going to see it because we're early in the series. Some of the characters haven't figured out what the character is yet. Haven't mm. figured out the performance. Haven't figured out the affectations. But Andrew Robinson came in scene one. Fully formed. It's Garrick. It's the Garrick we know and love forever. And uh, I think that that is awesome. All right. Well, you know, the uh, the last thing we're going to do about this episode is the episode rating. Uh, We do this on a scale of one to a hundred. hundred somethings? We don't know yet. But uh, leave a comment below. Give us an idea what our rating scale should be. I don't even... I'm discovering what the show's verbiage is as I go along. It's like a deciphering a language. Yes. Deciphering a universe and a la- and a language uh, on on the YouTube. We're never gonna alamorain things in. I'll tell you that much. So I really liked this episode a lot, uh, and I like I said before, I really dig that. Sorry, I'm just adjusting. Hey, hey, okay, some volume there. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> good, good to do in real time. Yes, well, and and as like the wormhole is closing, yeah. <laughs> like now to make sure it's right. No! <laughs> um, yeah, I really liked it because I like that they're playing with the genre. Still, uh, it was very much a, a spy type of episode between mm-hmm. the back channel communication and between uh, that's too much, and <laughs> the kind of the interplay between the the former terrorists slash freedom fighters slash spies. And Talos, there's a lot going on, and there's and there was double agenting and all, and I thought that was really cool. I don't think that that's what the show. I didn't it. I didn't get the idea that that's what the show is going to be all the time. But I like that they're exploring that, and that that and that they're showing that they've got the chops to do multiple things. I dug the what that we get to learn about Kira 
I loved all the performances. I loved the, I really liked this episode is where, is where I'm going with this. I will say that I found the execution towards the, I found the end game to be a little unsatisfying. Um, mm -hmm. I, I feel like it, it was, it felt a little rushed and a little muddy as far as the, what the actual big plot was always building a bomb and then how it was all going to go down. And I, yeah. I thought they introduced, you know, the Klingons and the Cardassians and that there could have been more, that, that was the more interesting stuff, that sort of interplay rather than just the kind of, and then how it ended with the wormhole bomb, that didn't really make a lot of sense, whether it's a plot hole or just, just too muddy to really decipher. So the end game was a little unsatisfying, but where we got, I, I enjoyed. And I liked that we got to see the difficult decision Kira had to make, why she made it, and that she was rewarded with respect at the end for making it. Because it was clearly tough, and I think there will be continuing ramifications for it. Anyhow, really dug it. Uh, I'm going to go, what did I say last, what did I say for the pilot? I have no it's, idea. That's in the 80s, I think. Yeah, it was in the 80s, yeah. I liked it a lot. I'm going to say, uh, right up there again, I'm going to say 87 whatevers. Wow, okay. Yeah, I, you know, it again, I have the benefit of context, of history, of understanding uh, where all of this is going. Um, you know, it's it's a stronger episode than I remembered it, I think, um, especially considering considering where we are in the arc of the show. Um, you know, obviously it's a it's a show about Kira. It's a show about Kira's um, you know, loyalties and her decision making and her past starting to catch up with her. Um, and I like that element of it. I agree that the ending is sort of confusing and rushed. And, you know, the bomb and now that it's sort of like a MacGuffin. It doesn't matter, right? Mm -hmm. This is about Kira's decision. And so in some ways, the episode actually ends with the Odo-Kira scene. because, And then it's just like hooey to the end. We, you know, do some pew-pews. And, and so I, I felt like that was all sort of unsatisfying. Like, what were the Cardassians doing or the Klingons doing? They were just sort of props. Um, you know, and I thought that the character of Tantalos was was pretty bland. Um, you know, and I don't, it's not necessarily the actor's fault or the writing fault. It's just something about it. Um, the show is going to explore all of those things in a more interesting fashion as we move forward. So this, this felt sort of like a weak tea version of a lot of the things that we're going to get to. Um, I really liked introduction, introduction of Garrick, of course. Um, you know, it's, it's hard on Bashir because he's such a dumb, dumb, but the setting up the 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 interplay between those two characters and how Garrick is pulling strings, I really liked all of that. So, um, you know, in the in the canon of Deep Space Nine episodes, is it a particularly good episode? No, it's not. You know, it's it's probably an average to below average episode um, of Deep Space Nine once we get to the into the big picture. But it was successful. In, in what it tried to do. So um, I'm not going to go as high as you. I'm going to give it a, uh, I'm going to give it a 76. Yes, uh, I was going to say, I think you need to start ranking a little harsher because that's going to cancel out my ignorance as to where we're going. So we need, in order to get like a sort of an, I don't want to say accurate, but a, a good median score, you might need to be a little tighten the belt know? a little bit. No, no, don't, don't worry. No, I will. And uh, coming up this season, we, we we got some low scores coming. Oh, okay. Uh, 
we we are going to a la moraine things in don't worry okay. uh all right <laughs> i already made that joke it doesn't matter and eh, we're not getting rated so uh so now that you've seen two episodes you definitely have to know what's going to happen next episode in mike's imagination mike pitch us our next episode well turns out i i do know what happens next episode because uh, i've watched it already uh which but i said the one in mike's imagination not yes. the one that so what so at this juncture what i would love to see is oh more garrick i want i want a whole another episode where man i want a whole spin-off series of him and Bashir trying to like solve crimes together and it just not going well because Bashir is the anti Sherlock Holmes. He's just a dumb dumb who needs everything <laughs> kind of like put right in front of his face. We're going to get there. Um, don't you worry. But uh, in reality, I think that what I need to see, and I like that we're learning more about all of our characters. And I also really dug that, you know, we get to see, there's not always this bridge stuff. We're getting to see Cisco just like chilling in his office in his quarters and just like, King making, you know what I mean? I want to see. I at this juncture, I want to see. I need a Cisco, ep another Cisco episode. I need to see him being the captain. Like I, I know that yep. he's not. I need him. I need to see him as the as the big boss man. So that's what I was looking forward to next week. Let's see if we get it. Okay. Well, next week in reality, the episode is a man alone. So, uh, if if you're far into the future, just click on the next episode. If you're watching this right the first week. You're going to have to wait till next week. Uh, but while you're there, either watching or anticipating, give us a like and subscribe. Uh, Mike, give them the Patreon link one more time. That's patreon.com slash KME shows, plural KME shows. And uh, once you become part of the Patreon, your name's going to be right about here. We just haven't done it yet. So we'll find whoop, out. Whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't you want to support that financially? I, 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 <laughs> it's not going to make it better. You're not going to fix anything. <laughs> no. You're really just encouraging it. Yeah, you're just encouraging our nonsense. All right, folks. Well, thank you for watching. We will see you back here next week. Till then, this has been Keith and Mike. Watch Deep Space Nine. Thank you for watching KME Entertainment. If you enjoyed our particular brand of nonsense, please like and subscribe.